Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. A lot of you waking up this morning bleary-eyed because you stayed up last night to watch an absolute classic game between the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, what a game it was. So much going on in this game. I feel like we could unpack this one for almost the entirety of the show. It felt like a Super Bowl. It felt like an epic contest, a heavyweight fight. Insert your cliche here to describe what happens when two Titans go head-to-head delivering one body blow after another and nobody wants to step aside. Some of the stats that will blow your mind. 546 total yards from the Kansas City Chiefs. 455 total yards from the uh, LA Rams nearly combining for a thousand yards of offense in fact is that a thousand and one I can't even do math my mind is so crossed over I think that's a thousand and one yards of offense totally uh yards per play the Chiefs averaged nearly eight yards per play Patrick Mahomes had five turnovers but six touchdown passes probably the greatest five turnover game in the history of the NFL uh And I felt like this was a watershed moment for the NFL. After two years of going all in on politics and being woke and all that other stupidity, which was awful for the NFL's business, this was the NFL getting back to its bread and butter. 
it was the city of Los Angeles coming together and uniting behind uh, all of the uh, rescue workers and first responders, the LAPD, the LA firefighters, everybody out there who has been battling the wildfires. It was sports as a unifying factor. I couldn't get over seeing Jared Goff and many of the coaches, including Andy Reid and Sean McVay, wearing LAPD hats. Think about the difference between Jared Goff wearing an LAPD hat and everything that Colin Kaepernick did over the past two years to try and destroy the NFL's brand with his pig socks, with his references to police officers being modern-day slave catchers. This was the NFL saying, my bad, we exist to bring Americans of all different backgrounds together and just watch a damn good show. It was entertainment of the highest level. This was everything the NFL does right. And I got to give credit to ESPN. I thought they hit the tone absolutely perfectly on their broadcast as well. This was, I think, a revolutionary moment as well in the larger context of the NFL because it was college football meets the best football players in the world in the NFL in a track meet. This, A lot of people out there are going to look at this and say, my God, 54 to 51, where was the defense? I'll tell you, it was all over the field. The defense scored 21 points in this game, 14 points for the L.A. Rams defense, 7 points for the Kansas City Chiefs. The defenses didn't play poorly in this game. The offensive execution was at times just unmatchable. And if you watch probably 27 or 28 of the teams in the NFL, I'll give credit to the Steelers and maybe also the Patriots at their absolute apex right now, as well as the Saints. There are about five teams that are capable of putting on a show like this right now. The two that we saw last night, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Patriots when they're playing really well, the Saints certainly, if you watch their game against the uh, Eagles, and, uh, and sometimes the Steelers. That's about it for offensive team. Maybe we want to put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in there because they can score a lot of points. The problem is they have no defense at all, so they're not actually a very good football team. I think this is a revolutionary game. I think we will look back on this game and say this was the time when all the college read option, RPOs, everything else that college teams have been doing for the last decade or so finally translated to the NFL. And if you heard Jared Goff interviewed after this game, he said it felt like we were, he said he told Patrick Mahomes, it felt like we were back at Cal and Texas Tech. Two really talented quarterbacks, two great offensive coaches, and so many skilled playmakers all over the field making one big play after another. It was an epic heavyweight fight. Now, What's the long-term significance? Uh, I think it's going to be substantial in terms of the embrace of offense in the NFL. I think you're finally going to see the NFL come out of the uh, Stone Ages. And for a long time, NFL people have been like, oh, that doesn't work. That won't work in the NFL when they watch college football contests. 
Um, and I think this was a wow moment for many people. I think that almost every NFL team will be trying to study this film and figure out what worked so well, how the defenses were attacked, and what those other NFL teams can do to try to make this possible for their teams. Now, I don't think it's incredibly easy to replicate because I don't think there are that many guys out there as good as Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there are that many guys out there as good as Jared Goff. I think for the NFL, it's a big message that you had two young quarterbacks like this performing this well on the biggest and brightest of stages. I thought the Coliseum setting was phenomenal. The crowd was engaged. L.A., what a embrace of the NFL. This, to me, was officially the NFL being back in Los Angeles. Maybe not if you're a Chargers fan, but the Rams, I think, with the way that they embraced their community, thoroughly became a part of the heartbeat of the L.A. sports scene last night. I thought also, we didn't talk about this, but I was out in L.A. all last week. When I get on my airplane to fly back on Saturday, there's a front-page advertisement from the Rams uh, saying we're basically standing together with the city of Los Angeles to overcome the shooting that happened as well as the, uh, as the uh, fires and the, uh, the ravages of both of those incidents that happened almost simultaneously uh, for the people of Southern California to have to overcome. It was, I think, the perfect antidote in some way to bring a community back together that was hurting again. And to me, the, the, uh, the connection between the military, not necessarily the military, but the first responders, the police, again, the LAPD and this community, it was what can be right about sports, a healing moment, a connection a, a uh, moment in time where nobody in that stadium is looking around wondering what political opinions anybody has. Everybody's just sitting down and having a great time. For this season, what does this game mean? I'm not sure. Could have been a preview of the Super Bowl, in which case we're all going to be very fortunate. Could it have been a preview of the Super Bowl? Certainly. I think the Chiefs, through 11 games, are the best team in the AFC. Nothing that I saw on the field last night changed my opinion there. I think through 11 games, the Rams are the second best team in the NFC. I think right now, the Saints are the best team. We'll get into top five, bottom five in hour two. I'll give you my uh, my breakdown of the top five and the bottom five in uh, the NFL. But I believe Danny G and Roberto have put together, for those of you who may have fallen asleep, for those of you who may have found out uh, that you had something else going on and you didn't weren't able to watch the game, it was an epic, a classic, an undeniably brilliant night for the NFL. And this is what it sounded like. Goff under center, takes the snap, he play fakes, great back drop, throws him inside the 20, lock the ball, left side, and he's caught, touchdown LA, Robert Woods, catch the opening drive with six. Kareem Hunt, half back right, fake to him, pressure on Mahomes, fighting a pass left side for Tyreek Hill, he's got a touchdown, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, a perfect touch pass, and the cheetah says hello to the Monday night stage. 
First and 10, Chiefs at the 21 of the Rams. They fake the end around. They're going to run a screen right side. Kareem Hunt inside the 15. 10 5! Blasting to the right front pylon! Touchdown! Kansas City! A sack, a strip, and a screen all in consecutive plays. Second down and eight snap back. It's knee high. He collects it. He wants to throw. He's under pressure. He's sacked. Ball comes out. Aaron Donald knocks it loose. Samson Ibukong scoops and scores! Touchdown LA! Aaron Donald knocked the ball loose and Samson Ibukong housed it. Three wide right, so is Spencer Ware Mahomes stepping up into the pocket, being chased, fires late, it's caught by Conley in the end zone, touchdown, Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes, a rabbit out of the hat at the end of the half. Midway through the third quarter, the Chiefs trail 30-23, Mahomes, belt high snap, looking right, turns left, goes middle, caught, Kelsey, touchdown, Kansas City, just blows by Nickel Roby, and the Chiefs cash in again. Throw flat-footed, it's picked, right side, Samson Abukong, the 10, the 5, Abukong runs over Mahomes for his second defensive touchdown of the night. 39-30, Samson Abukong, have a game. The Chiefs down 10, play action fake, bootleg throwback attempt, throw it long, Tyreek Hill's wide open at the 20, 15, 10, 5, nobody is within the of California. 40-37 Rams back to throw. Goff under pressure. He's hit. He's sacked. It's pulled away. It's going to be a touchdown. Defensive touchdown. Kansas City as the Hulk. Allen Bailey just pried the ball from the grip of Jared Goff. And now the Chiefs get a defensive touchdown and take the lead. Snap, third down and goal from the seven, retreats the throw, fires middle, Gerald Everett, two yards deep left side, has it. Touchdown LA, fireworks fly off the peristyle end. Here at the Coliseum, it's rocking and the Rams are back in front. First and goal at the 10, Chiefs are down by three. Mahomes again under pressure, crossing pattern, caught by Conley, 5-4-3-2-1, touchdown, far right pylon. Conley with the touchdown, burning Marcus Peters. He's got the snap, Rams bring four, he's well protected, nowhere to go with the football, he escapes pressure to his right, now launches from the 20, downfield, intercepted again at the 28-yard line, LaMarcus Joyner on a night that LA will never forget. And they take the Rams to 10-1 as they go to the bye. Fireworks fly off the peristyle end of the Coliseum. Los Angeles, these are your Rams. Ability to respond after it wasn't always pretty, especially in some instances, is, is why you love him and why he's such a great quarterback because of that even keel demeanor and disposition and that, that poise that we always talk about. We thought we were, you know, one drive away from kind of putting it away and getting getting enough of a lead, and and then they would make plays and get back in it, and then they were in the lead in the fourth quarter, and we we're like, all right, like time to respond on our side, and we did. Phenomenal highlight clip there, phenomenal game. I don't think the Rams fans certainly could have expected anything better. I frankly don't think the Kansas City Chiefs fans should be that disappointed either.
Chiefs, I believe, should be your favorite in the AFC substantially to advance to the Super Bowl. I think this was a great challenge for them. I think they answered just about every possible bit of uh, challenge that the Rams brought to bear there. Uh, as good of a game as you can possibly imagine. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Here's another great stat for you as we bring in Charles Davis. It's the first time in the history of the NFL that a team that has scored 50 points has lost a game. The Kansas City Chiefs, 51 points in this game, entering this game. The team that had scored 50-plus was 216-0 and all time. 216 and zip if you scored 50-plus, Charles Davis. Uh, that would be a tough one if you'd gotten uh, access to one half of the Biff uh, uh, Almanac, uh, Sports Almanac, and uh, back, back to the future, and you'd known the Chiefs were going to score 50-plus. You'd put everything down you could based on that history, and you'd still found a way to lose uh, that bet. Charles, as you were watching this game, do you believe this is a seismic shift in the NFL? You've watched college football, called college football for years. It seems like the NFL is finally starting to say, you know what, maybe some of this stuff they've been running in college football would work in our game too. Yeah, Clay, I think where, where, we've, where we've gone is for years you've heard from the college guys and real quick before I get into that, what you were saying about that number last night, it's, uh, and I know the on social media the Big 12 jokes were rampant last night, correct? You yes. Know, hey, I'm watching a Big 12 game. Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken, has given up 40 or more points in their last three games and have won all of them. And, that, you know, and that's been like, you know, since, you know, Biff had the almanac. That, that's happened, you know, for a team rated as high as they are. So it's that type of a year. But I think all the colleges have told us for years, and when I was covering college football weekly, I ended up writing it down because it was, became so prevalent that defensive coaches were no longer doing the old stuff that we did when we were kids, Clay. When we walked into the locker room and you saw all the goals for the year, you know, hold them to three yards per rush, you know, hold them under 200 yards passing, hold them, you know, those have all been torn down. Now all they want to do is, hey, can we win on third down? Right, keep them on a, to a reasonable percentage on third down. Do we win in the red zone? Make them kick field goals instead of touchdowns. Do we get? Do we affect the passer in the pocket with sacks, hurries, et cetera, et cetera? Those are, and, and obviously, how many points do you give up? That's your number one thing. All right, bottom line: what do we give up in that, and can we keep it to a number where our offense can compete? As you've said, that's hit the NFL in a big way. So while there are a number of NFL teams and coaches, I'm sure that don't want it to be a seismic shift. Just take the Super Bowl from last year, put it with this game, and maybe that's our time capsule. Because the Super Bowl was a wild shootout last year. How did it get decided? Brandon Graham made a play at the end where, where he put his head on the football and knocked it from Tom Brady. They kicked the field goal, go up eight, and make him throw a Hail Mary that almost worked anyway. But bottom line is, you find key defensive plays. Well, what happened last night? Everyone put up points, but how did the Rams win it? a few key defensive plays along the way, and that's how the whole game ended up, you know, coming a cropper there, all right? You know, Aaron Donald with the strip sacks, Ekebon with the, with the two big plays that he made, you know, then at the end the interceptions because they had the pressure and they were able to, you know, get ahead. So that's what we've gotten to, 
So I think it's a good point that you've raised. Seismic shift, a lot of coaches don't want to go there, but who's winning the most in the NFL right now? Those teams are running the best offense. Let's also talk big picture in the NFL right now. I think sports in general is at its best when it brings everyone together, regardless of race, religion, background, politics, all of those things. Wishbone, did, beer. Yes. <laughs> Run did, and this, shoot. <laughs> did this feel to you like a rebirth of the NFL in Los Angeles in the way that they basically embraced the community that was suffering over the shooting yep. uh, in, uh, in, in Los Angeles and over the wildfires that had spread all over Southern California. This felt like a moment where the city of Los Angeles came together in sort of a joyful celebration of something that united them all. Yeah, and I know that we get into that that tricky territory, right? We always get into it, especially when we are battling war, you know, when we're waging war somewhere or involved in a war, a conflict, whatever we want to call it. And everybody gets, you know, we all get very sensitive and we want to make sure we say the right thing. Although I'm still trying to figure out how during those times when it first bubbles up, we don't say war room anymore at the draft. Yeah. And then as soon as it, it dies down, everybody goes back to saying war room. I'm like, well, why do we say war room ever? Yes. The draft room. Just call the draft room and, call it and be done with it. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. It does feel that way, Clay. And it's felt that way throughout this season. I think you and I have talked about it along the way that – while saying football is back is probably too strong, the idea that we're just talking football this year and not other things has been huge. And that doesn't mean there haven't been protests like we've had before. Eric Reed gets re-signed. He, he takes a knee and continues to take a knee. When Kenny Stills was healthy, he took a knee in Miami throughout the entire season. You know, he and Albert Wilson. We could go on with a few other examples, maybe some raised fists, maybe some other things. But the football was so good. If people just quit talking about it. it. It became the football overarched everything else. And last night, with everything going on in Los Angeles, and let's just be frank about it, how the game came back to Los Angeles was probably not handled the best way. But bringing it to Los Angeles ultimately was the right move for so many different reasons. And to see what we saw last night with how the first responders were treated, how the city of Los Angeles and, and the nation embraced everyone, because we can't begin to fathom what they're going through. All I hear about is these first responders continuing to work, continuing to battle, continuing to fight, and a good number of them have lost their homes as well or had to evacuate as well, yet they're going to work every day. People coming from all over the nation to help out. And the football got a chance to congratulate them, thank them in a small way, and then the football game exceeded everything we could have ever possibly wanted to exceed. So for a short time, maybe gave some people a little relief. And again, I don't want to overplay it, but I get tired of people underplaying it too because it does help people out. Don't you think also it's amazing how this worked out that L.A. got to host this game as opposed yeah. to Mexico City? I mean, and, it and just it, made everything perfect, I think, for the city. And, and the best part about that, Clay, was that the league didn't have to jerry-rig anything on that. See, yep. what people have to understand, and I'm sure you've pointed it out already, but let's just make sure everybody gets it, when these games are moved, all right, to London, Mexico City, wherever they want to take them, there's already a designated home team. And that designated home team, if that date is given up, still has to hold their stadium just in case. See? And so you've got to hold that date, hold the stadium, even though you're playing that game somewhere else. You can't give it up to a concert. You can't give it up to something else. 
and the just-in-case came into play, and Los Angeles was already the designated home team. You see, it wasn't Kansas City. So people can't say, well, they just moved to L.A., weather, right? No, it was already designated that way. So when they had to make the move, that's how it works. So every team that gives up a home date by, by NFL rule has to make sure they keep their home stadium available in case something goes haywire. And in this case, it did. So I, you know, I have a, an arched eyebrow about how it got to that point. But thank goodness they already had it in the rules and the bylaws. This is how it works. And, boy, it sure worked out perfectly. You called the Cowboys game, I believe, on the road against the Falcons. The Falcons, I think it's fair to say, with two straight losses, falling to four and six out of the playoff mix. The Cowboys now are the favorites, amazingly, to win the NFC East. They are set on Thursday to host the Washington Redskins. That awful Alex Smith injury, 33 years to the day after the Joe Theismann injury. Uh, There now is uh, Colt McCoy at at the helm of the Redskins. Based on what you sh- you saw, should the Cowboys be the favorite in the NFC East? They should. They absolutely should because they actually have a formula they believe in now, and they haven't strayed from it recently. Clay, you've watched them throughout the season. How many times did you throw things at the television, not because you're a Cowboys fan, but how come Elliott's not touching the football? What are we doing? You know, this is what you do best. This offensive line that is not the same as it was in its heyday because Travis Frederick isn't playing. Tyron Smith is, is older and, and, and a little more beat up, not, not as healthy as he's been. You know, right on down the line, you're starting with Joe Looney playing, one, one, playing center for you and, and, and working through that. But still, they've settled in, and what they do best is, is, is block for the run. And now they're sticking in Zeke's chest, and they're throwing it to him. He's become the workhorse. It takes pressure off of Dak Prescott and makes him a much better quarterback. But if you look at him now, they've already won in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia's leaking oil, as we've seen. Okay? They got beat in Washington on that snap infraction penalty that moved it five yards and made a 52-yard field goal, and Maher barely missed on that one. So they feel pretty confident they can play with Washington if they come in, especially now with, unfortunately, what happened with Alex Smith. So when you look at all of that and down the stretch – if I'm not mistaken, the Cowboys have a pretty nice finishing stretch. And I believe it's got some combination of Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, and the Giants. Now, Indianapolis has changed, okay? Things have jumped up on that one. But if you like to look at them down the stretch, if they can continue on this path, and it's a weird path because we're, we're all in on the, I'm all in on the Cowboys looking like the team. But, Clay, Sunday was the first time that they won back-to-back games this season. So that just tells you where the NFC East is right now, too. Who would be your Super Bowl pick right now? Everybody has played at least 10 games. Some teams like uh, the Rams and the, uh, and the Chiefs have played 11. Yeah. Who would be your – I mean, is it as simple to say the Saints in the NFC look like the best team, although, man, that would be a doozy if they played the Rams in the NFC Championship game, which would be what we would anticipate seeing right now. And I think the Chiefs have clearly been the best team – in the AFC, but the Chiefs have never been able to get past the Steelers. What would you project right now if you had to pick two teams? Yeah, I would, I would project New Orleans, and I would have a hard look at Pittsburgh versus Kansas City because as big a home field advantage as Kansas City has in terms of how we view it and how we, how we feel about going to Kansas City, and it's one of the best atmospheres in the league, it hasn't held up for them in the playoffs. Marcus Mariota in Tennessee got them last year. Remember Pittsburgh getting them a, few, a couple of years ago? 
too many times have they had that home field that they have not taken advantage of it. So if you're looking at a little bit of history, you're saying to yourself, you're, you're, you're not cowed by the opportunity to go there. So if you're Pittsburgh, who's done it before with Ben Roethlisberger, et cetera, et cetera, you might feel pretty good about the whole thing and say, yeah, let's go play. But Kansas City, to me, should be the team. And New Orleans, I have to pick because if it's in the playoffs and in the Sean Payton era, 6-0 and at home in the playoffs. On the road, I believe they're 1-5. You know? And right now they hold the tiebreaker over the Rams. So that's why I would pick New Orleans at this stage. I don't want to drive Kansas City fans who are listening right now crazy, but they have not won a game. This is an amazing stat. An Arrowhead Stadium, a playoff game, since 1993. That doesn't make so, any sense, does it? I no, mean, when you hear about you, how amazing that home field advantage been? is. Uh, I have been to Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, ve- it's a very it's college-like environment. Yes. It is phenomenal. I love going there to broadcast a game. And, and that crowd, that energy, and what they bring to the table, they, they deserve <laughs> some home playoff wins because they put their heart and soul into that thing. And when you smell the barbecue cooking and they do the anthem and the whole stadium comes together, home of the cheese, I mean, it's pretty spectacular. I mean, that group, that group of fans, they turn out and support their team. They deserve some home playoff wins. Nineteen ninety three. That's yes. Stunning. They stunning. did win a they did win a wild card game against the Houston Texans in the two thousand fifteen season, which is their only playoff win since nineteen ninety three. But going all the way back, uh, and those are and again, I don't. There are Kansas City Chiefs fans like don't how you starting my morning off like <laughs> this, dude. But they lost at home in nineteen ninety five, in nineteen ninety seven, in the two thousand three playoffs, two thousand. Uh, 2010, and then uh, 2016 in the divisional round against the Steelers, and then like you mentioned last year in the wild card against the Tennessee Titans. All of those home wow. playoff losses uh, for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So that well, is uh, that is pretty brutal. Well, um, briefly, Clay, you know what yeah. may be different for this team now is 15. Yeah, because that kid has a fearlessness to him and a spirit to him that he's not going to get weighed down by past history. He's just going to go play. It was amazing to watch. Uh, Charles Davis, we will talk to you next week. Have a good Thanksgiving. Where are you going to be this weekend? Which game are you calling? Seattle at Carolina on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Clay. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone who can hear our voices. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Mark Schlereth joins us now. Mark, uh, what an unbelievable game. Can you remember a more entertaining regular season NFL game than what we just saw last night? Uh, I don't know that I can remember a more entertaining game, period. Now, uh, of course, you know, the NFL's got exactly what it wants, right? I mean, it's cultivated – it's cultivated – a generation of young fantasy football fans, and they're like, hmm, how can we make the game that we play on television and in the stadium look identical to the game you play on the computer? Here we go. We'll just eliminate defense, and we'll just play fast-break offense. And i got to be honest, as a guy that's somewhat of a purist, not that the NFL cares about me, because they don't. If you're one of those people that like, Oh, defense wins championships, and this gar- this product is garbage. The NFL is basically saying to you, we don't care. See you around sometime. Hope it works out for you. But we've cultivated a generation 
of football fans that grew up on fantasy football. And you know what we're doing? We're servicing that generation. Congratulations. So um, it was wildly entertaining. There was an article recently that we talked about on this show which said basically sports have become video games. And the, the, the thesis was that the way that you play a video game, the coaches and the players now perform that same way. In the NBA, you shoot all three-point shots or dunks. In the NFL, you rarely run the football. You almost always end up passing the ball. And if you run it, you a lot of times feel like, man, that was a wasted play. You gain two yards, uh, and uh, and you know it's the cloud of dust style. And then you go right back in, into your offensive pyrotechnics. Is it a coincidence right now? The four best teams in the NFL I have right now, maybe my top five, are the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Patriots. All of them, when they are executing well, have the ability to put up 40-plus with ease. Is that fair? Is that the NFL that we're in now, that you can either score 40 and you can win a championship, or you can't and you have no chance? Well, I don't know that you don't have a chance. I think that I think it, here here are the kind of the ancillary benefits and what we're falling away from with this, as you mentioned, this kind of offensive explosion. And and let's face it, every rule is bent toward you know putting up offensive numbers. So it's exceptionally hard to play defense. There's no question about that. And you're going to give up you know yardage. You're going to give up points. Now, the issue that you get into is in a game like that, you're going to have no defense if you don't run the ball. If you don't have um, some semblance of balance because your defense has got to go out there and they've got to continue to play, play in, play out, and it's hard. Playing defense, listen, man, I'm an old, fat offensive lineman. You know, if I blocked you and we knocked one out and, you know, the running back, you know, the running back got 14 yards or whatever, you know, you had to get up and I cut you and you put you on the ground. You had to get up. You had to get all back on your feet. You had to chase the ball. Otherwise, you're getting chewed out by your coaching staff. You know what I did? I laid on my big fat stomach and I watched from where I laid down. That's what I did. Then I got up and I walked to the huddle. Like that doesn't take a whole lot of energy. I mean, it's hard putting myself back on my feet, but the bottom line, it takes no energy. Defense is infinitely times, infinitely more times hard, more difficult, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint or from an energy standpoint than it is to play offense. So, like, you had better. Like, the interesting thing to me is both of these teams just said, screw it, all we're going to do is put on a show. Like, we're going to just entertain. And you could have helped your defense out tremendously had you had some balance because both teams can flat run it. And let's face it, both teams aren't concerned about the run. They're just chasing the quarterback. You know, it's so funny. Every week I talk into a game and I talk to defensive coordinators, and every one of them says the same thing. Well, our, you know, our number one goal here is to stop the run, make them one-dimensional. Baloney. Your, your number one goal is not to stop the run. It's to rush the passer. You don't care about the run. You've quit caring about the run. Like, there's never been a time where the yards per carry average has been higher in the National Football League. You, you say, hey, our, our number one goal is to stop the run, but we're not actually going to play a linebacker. They're going to be all DBs and, you know, and four defensive or two defensive linemen and two linebackers that actually rush the passer. Like, that's, that's what the NFL has become. So, it, it, it certainly, you know, it's certainly. They don't really put the emphasis like they used to on stopping the run. But the ancillary kind of benefit to being able to run the ball, being able to control the tempo of the game, is your defense at the end is going to have some freshness to it. You're going to be able to make a stop. 
When you watch that game last night, um, do you think, and, and, and in conjunction with what we saw from the Saints, would it stun you if, assuming these guys stay healthy, because we saw, and I'll ask you about Alex Smith here in a minute, but assuming these guys stay healthy, assuming that Jared Goff stays healthy, assuming Drew Brees stays healthy, in the NFC, should it be the Rams and the Saints? Are they head and shoulders above everybody else? Yeah, you know what's really interesting about that? We talk about their passing game and, and the uniqueness of the NFL and the way it's structured right now. And, you know, the Saints have a great running game as well with two really good running backs, um, as do the Rams. Obviously, Todd Gurley is, is special. But Brown is a really good player as well that comes in and spells him occasionally. But they don't do it the same way um, that the Saints do it. There's, there's no question about that. But, you know, you start to look and you start to break down – the best teams in the National Football League. And you know what's interesting? What they all do have in common is every one of them has a great group up front. The, the Saints, you put them on film. The Saints have the best offensive line in football. Uh, the Rams are right there. I mean, the Rams are great up front. The Chiefs, even though they had a couple of injuries, the Chiefs have been great up front. You show me a team that can control the line of scrimmage and that, like, right, the running game now to me is more about can you dictate in situations that require you to dictate. Like, can I get into third down and one and say, hey, guys, everybody in the brother's uncle knows we're running 18 handoff. Can you stop it? Because this is what's coming down your throat. You know, if you can get to the point where you can dictate in critical situations on the goal line, in third down and shorts, fourth down and short situations, where you're just like, up yours, this is what we're going to do, and you can't do anything about it. Now, the, the issue that you get into is, like, that's a skill. Like, I could take I could take a football to, to the Fox cafeteria. I could throw it to anybody. They can catch it and throw it back to me. If I set up a one-on-one drill in the Fox cafeteria, I am whipping ass <laughs> simply because I know how to do it. Like, I, I worked my whole life on developing those skills. And the problem in the NFL is, like, if all you're doing is throwing the ball, it's really hard to develop the skill to move a man from point A to point B against his will. Like, that's a skill set that, to me, is far greater than catching or throwing a football. To to me, let me go back to the the bigger picture here. Um, You just mentioned something uh, about that. College football for a long time has been saying, we can move the ball more exciting uh, fashion than the NFL. And the NFL has looked at college football and said, no, 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 that won't work in our game. Watching last night, I felt like I was watching a Big 12 game just with a lot mm-hmm. better players and a lot better talent on both sides of the ball. What am I missing, or is that an accurate reflection of what I was seeing? Oh, I, no, I think it's definitely an accurate reflection of what you're seeing. Um, you know, the, the issue, the only issue that you get into, and you see all the RPO action, you know, the run-pass action, and you see all that stuff. Um, the issue that you get into is that, there, there's two things that separate it in my mind. And, and obviously it's all morphing toward, um, toward that. And I was one of those guys go, Hey, unsustainable. It's unsustainable. If you're asking, you know, your quarterback to do what Lamar Jackson did last week, to run it. Can't run times. the ball 27 times. Yeah. Can't do it. I mean, I picked up a fumble once. I thought I was going to score. And, uh, Mike Merriweather hit me so hard that that's not shot out of both nostrils. Um, like I was like, never again. That's the, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I like, you can't, you can't do that. 
But these quarterbacks who, who run that RPO game, the threat of that edge presence, the threat of being able to scramble and not really, not really ever doing it, the holding of the defense on the backside so you can't constrict running lanes, that's what it does for you. You know, holding of the linebackers so that they sit in their spot so that you can play a high-low layered route concept game with them and you're just getting wide open throws because nobody's getting depth. That's what that RPO does for you. So that's the difference. You're not going to run the ball. The other thing is you're never going to have a wide side of the field like you do in college. So that width, that's going to be taken away from you. You know, the college game where we can just throw it out there and run to the sideline and you have, you know, 20 more yards to work with, 20 more yards of space. And for people out there who don't know, that's because the hashtags uh, situation in college versus the NFL is so much different. Right, yeah. So everything is condensed in the middle of the field. So your athletes, you're not going to create the space you create, you know, on the sideline. The other thing that that happens to you in college game is like if we're on the tight side of the field, man, we can rotate a receiver one after the other and just run nine routes down that one hash on that that boundary, and you can never get your guys to rotate. So we can wear you out that way as well. So those rules are a little bit different. The hashtag or the hash lines, uh, the the hashes are different. But um, the bottom line, the bottom line is, yeah, this game continues to morph into what the college game has shown us. And, and part of it is, too, is the players that we're getting, that's what, they're, that's what they're playing. You know, it used to be where the NFL affected college football that affected high school football, and then it became high school football affecting college football, which is now it's this, the opposite of Reaganomics. It's a trickle-up theory uh, in the National Football League, and, and it's taken over, no question. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. The other big story I thought from last night was the NFL saying, you know what, we're done with politics, we're done with trying to, to, to use our sport in any way to detract from the game. You had the city of Los Angeles coming together, the fire department, the police department, all of the victims of that shooting as well as the wildfires. It felt like the NFL was basically saying to everybody, our bad, we're going to get this right and it felt like everything about that game was right, beginning with the fact that they moved it from Mexico City to L.A. The Coliseum environment was phenomenal. I tweeted out a video of uh, Jared Goff and uh, Andrew Whitworth, I believe, talking to all the victims of that shooting after the game, uh, one of the first things they did, even wearing the fire department hats, everything else. This felt like a repudiation of much of what Colin Kaepernick had done and the divisiveness, I would say, in general, that has constricted the NFL over the past couple of years. Do you feel like that, that the NFL's got its mojo back, that politics has gotten kicked to the curb, and it's just about putting on a really good and entertaining product again? Yeah, I, you know, I hope so. I know the guys have made a huge impact in their communities, and guys have gone out there and tried to um, to do what's, you know, to do what in their heart they believe is right for social injustice. And, and I'm 100% in, in agreement with those guys for going out in their communities and doing those things. Um, but when it comes time to play the game, man, it's time to play the game. And I think ultimately what you started to look at is, hey, we can have a great effect. We can have a very positive effect um, without having that same negative kind of feeling about about our game in general. Like we can have a great positive effect out there in our communities, but let's not politicize the game itself because the game 
is the great escape for most of us. I mean, I sat on my couch completely mesmerized by this game and the beauty Join of the this club. game. And this is, yes. Yeah, and this is a game that I absolutely love. And, and I think the players are starting to understand, you know what, this game has been under attack, Clay, uh, under attack from a political standpoint, under attack from a, a contingent of uh, a very small contingent of people who hate this game. So they use head trauma and they use the concussion situation that we found ourselves in to try to, you know, try to pick this game apart. And, um, you know, they've created this equation where, um, you know, head trauma leads to CTE, leads to freaking out and killing your family. And, you know, and, and it just I hate the fact that there's so little research done. Like, I, I happen to believe that like regardless of what you do for a living, if it gets taken away from you, if your identity is what you do for a living and it gets taken away from you, you're going you're gonna to struggle regardless. There are going to be chemical changes. There's going to be some depression that goes on. So if you put your whole, everything that you are, if you put that into what you do for a living and that gets taken away from you, if that's where you're, you find your identity, you're going to struggle anyhow. And we don't do any research on the effects of opiates on the players, the effects of alcohol, drugs, you know, I happen to believe that if you have a purpose beyond playing football, that you have enough plasticity and enough connectivity within your brain to overcome whatever trauma you do to it. But we don't study any of that. We just look at it like, oh, if you play football, you're going to freak out and kill your family. And, and I hate it. I hate the fact that, that football has been under attack because the best men I've ever been around the best men, the best fathers, the best husbands, some of the best people I've ever been around played professional football. And they happen to be very productive members of society. And we don't want to look at that. We just want to look at the t- couple of guys who freak out. And I think it's completely unfair. So I'm glad that we got to see what we got to see last night. Do you think part of that is just an overall war on masculinity? Because I do. I think football mm-hmm. is hyper-masculine culture. Much like a lot of times the military, I think that's why there's a lot of overlap there because by and large, it's young men training their body to be physically dominant, right? And uh, right. there is a certain segment of the population that is uncomfortable with aggressive masculinity right and uh the reason why i think we love football is it's big strong tough guys performing a violent act football is a violent sport and i think there are people that are uncomfortable with that and they have used it as an opportunity to attack the game i think there are a lot of people doing that yeah i don't think i don't think there's any question and you know it's interesting you know football has given me so much more than it has ever taken and you're talking to a guy who had 29 surgeries over the course of his career and i do it all over again and yeah you know what anything that's worth that's 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 worth putting effort into is there it's going to come with you know it's going to come with some consequences and i'm i'm 100 percent in you know it's like that whole toughness aspect and you know i tell this to people all the time like listen there's only 1,500, 1,700 people in the world that, one, have been touched by the hand of God and blessed athletically enough to play this game. But even more importantly, that have been, that, that have that, whatever that gene is, to say, I'm just a little bit touched and I'm going to go out here and lay on the line and put myself into harm's way because you're going to get hurt if you play this game. It's going to generate pain, it's going to generate injury. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Some people, you know, some people hate that. But again, the true strength in, in anything that we do is our ability to love 
And here's what I know about winning championships and playing football. You cannot be your best if you're not playing for the guy beside you. If you don't have enough love in your heart, and the true strength is sacrifice, is love, is kindness, is generosity, that's where we find our true strength. And those are, those are many of the aspects that I have learned about playing championship caliber football, is it requires you to be selfless. And so all the things that you hate from a masculinity standpoint, I would, I would argue that the things that make you great are not the, 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 oh, let's go, you know, crush heads here kind of aspect, the meathead aspect of this game. It's, it's completely the opposite of that that makes you a great player. And so, you know, our, our failure to recognize that because just we see the physicality, I think, is, is a shame. Last question for you, Mark, um, and this goes back to the field itself. Alex Smith, devastating injury. It's amazing how quickly things can change. In the NFC East now, the Dallas Cowboys are the favorite to win the division. They were given up for dead two weeks ago when they lost to the Tennessee Titans. Should the Cowboys be the favorite? Who's going to win the NFC East? I, I think they should, one. Um, you know, Xavier, uh, uh, how do you say his name? Suofilo? Uh, Xavier Suofilo. He was, you know, a, he's a free agent with the Tennessee. They ended up cutting him. Dallas started him a couple of weeks ago when Connor Williams, the rookie left guard, uh, went down with an injury. Completely helped solidify that. He's a veteran player, big, strong cat. And they have gotten back to what they are. Like, understanding and recognizing the identity of your football team is important. And oftentimes what we do is we try to get away from that and become something we're not. You know, we want to be special. But this is just a life just in life in general, it's important to understand your strengths and to also maybe more importantly, understand your weaknesses. And I think the Dallas Cowboys looked at themselves and said, you know what? We can't do what we're trying to do. So let's get back to dominating line of scrimmage. Let's make this offense run through Ezekiel Elliott. Let's use the RPO game. Guys, we've got a great defense. We've got a great front seven. We can run around, make them fly around, make plays, sack quarterbacks, create turnovers. So let's just lean on our strengths. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I think they've come back to that realization that, you know what, if we ask, if we ask Dak Prescott to drop back and throw it 52 times, we're going to lose. And so they've gotten back to kind of that formula and certainly has worked for them up to this point. Outstanding stuff as always. Go follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schlereth. They'll be calling games for Fox. He does a fantastic job all around. Appreciate you waking up early with us, my man. My pleasure, buddy. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We talked uh, last week some about the Zach Smith controversy. He started attacking uh, Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns over the uh, allegations about what Tom Herman had done off the field and everything else. And there's all sorts of nasty allegations. By the way, we offered Zach Smith an opportunity to come on this show uh, and tell his side of the story. Uh, and he, uh, he said, I'll check with my attorney. And then he never responded again. So people say, oh, you, I will always offer someone a forum on this show. May not agree with everything they've done, but consistently – the First Amendment is alive and well on this show. So I offer people all the time the opportunity to come on this show, just so you know. Many people are afraid to do it. 
frankly, or they are uh, they're nervous because they know this is not state-sponsored radio. And if you come on this show, I'm going to ask you tough questions. You get an opportunity to reach a massive audience, massive and growing audience, by the way. Go download our podcast uh, and uh, and dive in as best you can to the Outkick universe. I appreciate all that you guys are doing. Um, but uh, but Michelle Herman, who is the wife of Tom Herman, was also attacked on social media. She has responded in an ultimate Patrick Ewing getting dunked on by Scottie Pippen fashion. You remember the all-time great dunk? Scottie Pippen dunked on Pippen and then stand, stood right over him and taunted him again. Uh, that's what Michelle Herman has done to Zach Smith. All balls in the face right on Zach Smith. She is now selling okay, uh, cool, hook em t-shirts and sweatshirts for charity. That was the response from Tom Herman when Zach Smith said that he was going to go public and rip him to the high heavens for all these things that he alleged he had done off the field. So Tom Herman, in one of the all-time badass responses, responded to that text threatening him with all sorts of stuff from uh, Zach Smith by saying, okay, cool, hook him, which is with the with the hook him sign. One of the all-time badass responses in college football history. And... Now Michelle Herman is selling okay, cool, hook 'em gear for charity all over the Austin area. Props to her. That's how you respond when somebody drags you into the mud. You grab the basketball, you run, and you just dunk all over them. Zach Smith got to be in concussion protocol after taking that dunk job. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that. But there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends with 
when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.